Ete iwi and welcome to another episode of The Verdict. We are discussing the Auckland Blues and their form in the Super Rugby Aotearoa competition and investors in sport. We're talking NZR and its connection with Silver Lake Investments and if we have a little bit of time we're going to talk a little rugby league as well. Before we get into it though let me introduce to you our guests today. First up Sky Sport presenter Goran Paladin. Brave, great to be here as always alongside the legendary Tony Johnson. Yes, welcome Tony. Sky Sport commentator. Great to see you welcome. mate. <laughs> After an introduction like that I can't wait to hear what I've got to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, neither no can pressure, we. No pressure. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if we're talking about the blues. Yes, oh dear, oh dear, the blues. <laughs> but before we get things underway, we'll just give a quick brief on how it will all go down. So I will restate the topics to you both and then you will state which side of the fence you will be on. Make it brief mm -hmm. because then you'll get the opportunity to go into it with a little bit more detail, knowledge, research, and we'll see at the end of it whose argument stands up taller. Kapai? Got it. All right, let's get into it. Case number one. Now, the Auckland Blues were at the beginning of the season dubbed finals contenders in the Super Rugby Aotearoa uh, competition by many. Um, it's not the case, obviously, come the tail end of the competition. Have they been a flop? Pains me to say it, TJ, Rav. As a Blues supporter, a long-suffering Blues supporter, they, they were a flop this year. Um, you know, they're out of the competition, they're out of the, the running for a final against the Crusaders with a game to spare in the regular season. So I can't see it any other way that uh, this season is a flop. Okay. Too soon to call them a flop. Uh, Damien McKenzie misses that kick last week. They're still in the hunt. There's two teams below them. And let's not forget, they've got one more game left in Super Rugby Aotearoa, but they've got another five games left in the Trans-Tasman competition. That doesn't mean anything, TJ. <laughs> well, it does. It, it, it does. But, I, look, I, I wouldn't use the word flop. That's a bit of motive. Uh, disappointing, absolutely. Um, especially after the way they started to be in this situation. Whereas you say, a round to go, they're out of the competition. Yeah, that is, that is disappointing. But I'll, I'll wait till the end of the season, um, which is still six games away before I you know, start talking about the F word. <laughs> <laughs> flop, flop. We're talking the flop. <laughs> Look, Rev, I, I just can't see it any other way because when we, we talked about the Blues at the beginning of the season, TJ, you were here on the verdict before the season got underway. And I think everybody was in agreement, not just at this table, but a lot of rugby pundits out there and... We thought that the Blues were going to be the one that would really give the Crusaders a red-hot go. They were going to shake up this competition. Did they make a final? No, they did not. Did they upset the Crusaders at any point throughout the season? No, they did not. So therefore, yeah, if I you're say gonna, If you're going to use making the final <clears throat> the, the criteria, then there are three flops in this competition. There's going to be three flops in this competition every year. But I think what is disappointing is the fact that a, a, an old problem has re-emerged, and that's what's cost mm -hmm. them. Uh, and it, it's just the decision-making on the field, the, 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 yeah. the lapses of discipline, people making really bad decisions in pressure moments, key moments in the game. It's one of the reasons why the Crusaders come up Trump's year after year because they always seem to do the right <laughs> thing when it matters most. Um, and I, look, you can put that down to some mitigating factors. First of all, uh, Patrick Tuipalotu did a great job captaining them last year. He gets injured and I think this slump towards the end of the season, he, that's a big factor in that. Uh, Tom Robinson comes in, brings a completely different dynamic, uh, a first out of the trenches type leadership style. That looked like it was going to spark something. He gets injured. Um, you know, the guy who should be leading the, the team around or was supposed to be leading the back line around the field, he's off playing in Japan at the moment. So yeah. I, I think that those that's the most disappointing thing, that those old problems are just a, a lack of decision making. I wouldn't blame the, the coaching staff. 
there's like maybe a couple of things that haven't come off the three playmaker thing that didn't work I'd like to have seen a bit more of Finley Christie but I think in the end it, it just comes back to the same issue of of decision making on the field and and the lack of discipline that's what's cost them and that's the difference I think in two games that could have should have been won and it would be a completely different season. Yeah, better teams, smarter teams, they, they take the right option. And I wholeheartedly agree with what you're saying, TJ. Chiefs game earlier in the year, perfect example of that. The Blues had numerous opportunities to take shots at goal, turn them down, end up losing the game by three points. You know, like uh, Crusaders, I feel, would have taken those opportunities, whereas the Blues didn't. Um, and you, you talk about injuries, but... Every team suffers injuries. Look at the Crusaders, and they've made a final, a home final again. They're probably going to win their umpteenth Super Rugby title. They, they lose Joe Moody. They find a way to have their, their front row perform week in, week out. They lose Jack Goodhue. They just slot in somebody else into the back line. Look, they've got a, a, you know, a, a production line of, of outside backs that they can slot in here, there, and everywhere. But, you know, I just expected so much more from the Blues. And to think that, you know, even if they beat the Chiefs this weekend, with a bonus point, they'll be level on points, but they get superseded because of the, you know, the wins... Uh, tiebreaker. It's just not enough for me. And uh, yeah, I, I, when, I, when I look at the, the Crusaders in the second half of the season as well, they, they struggled against the Highlanders. The Highlanders took them to, to task. They barely got past the Hurricanes. They lose to the Chiefs. So the Blues think, well, they're, surely they're there for the taking. And they can't even score a try. They couldn't even score a try against a team like the Crusaders who were. I mean, you've got to admit it, they were faltering in the second half of that competition. Oh, I, and they, they yeah, come back to life. That, let's not forget that the team that lost in Hamilton, they rested some of their key guys who were back. Uh, and I just think they defended really well. Um, and again, it was just, I suppose, the inability of those exciting uh, backs to, to, to get the ball into their hands. I think that was... That was a key. And then when the game started slipping away, that's when the, the panic set. And again, it just goes back to that, that, that leadership thing. But mm. as I say, look, they've still got a chance to redeem themselves mm. um, between now and the end of the season, which is, you know, we're only two-thirds of the way through the, the program. The frustrating thing as a Blues supporter is when you know how good they can be. They, they proved that last year, and we were all desperate to see that final round-robin game against yeah, which Crusaders, right, you know, which and it is, never took place. Yeah, and, and of course, the higher expectation, the, the, the more severe the reaction is when, when they don't live up to your expectation, I suppose. Yeah, and, and but, <laughs> well, I mean, it's not just my expectation, it's yeah. a lot of Blues supporters' expectations. And, you know, when, when, you, when you sit in my position, and you think that the world sorry, is their what, what oyster. What, what, what a blue supporter, oh, okay. TJ. Sorry, well, I'm just, I'm a long-suffering one. I wondered what your position was. And, and then you see the Chiefs, who, they couldn't buy a trick. They lose 11 straight, 11 straight games. Yet they somehow turn it around without Warren Gatlin, the great Warren Gatlin, the storied coach who's done everything with everybody. And they've got a super rugby debutante in Clayton McMillan who comes in and manages to change things, like that makes it all the more galling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but let's not forget that there are five teams in this competition. It's probably the most intense competition of its kind in the world when that every single week you're playing a, a very good side. The margins, I mean, you know, you, you talk about the Chiefs, and that's a fantastic story. Mm. Um, and, but the role that um, Damien McKenzie's had and the, the, the ability to snatch a win right at the end, that just underlines the, the narrow margins. And as I say, it would be a, would be, we wouldn't be having this conversation if two narrow 
games had gone the other way. And, mm. But as I say, the Blues just made those bad mistakes at, at key moments and, and that's what cost them those games that, that, that should have been won. And, and it's a different conversation altogether. Yeah, and, but you've really got to hand it to the Chiefs because they've given people something to talk about Absolutely. in this competition. It's not just the status quo, Crusaders keep on rolling, keep on winning. I, I genuinely feel that the Chiefs can go down to Christchurch and shake them up. They've got a really good chance of, of tipping up the Crusaders in that final. Yeah, I mean, the Crusaders this year haven't looked unbeatable. Mm. They've just looked very good uh, when, it, when it really matters. But they, they've had their cage rattled, which I think it's a, it's a good thing yeah. um, for the competition. But, but still, there's that legacy there. It seems to be in their DNA that they play the big moments um, bigger than or better than any other team. And that's why... Um, you know, especially getting the final at home, as we know they're going to have, um, you're still going to back them. They still set the benchmark. And the fact that, you know, they seem to be able to adjust to these injuries um, just says a lot for the depth and also the environment that they have down there where players can come in and, and really excel and grow. It's quite formidable. Rav, I was um, going back over old tapes of the verdict and uh, I found the one with myself, TJ and Jeff McTainch when you were away. And um, my, my team to upset the, the apple cart this year was the Highlanders. Didn't quite do that. I mean, they managed a, a wonderful victory over the Crusaders. And, and Tony said that it was the Blues. And it was on the back of recruit, recruiting yep. Nepo La Lala, yep. a strong front row, a really strong loose trio. Yep. Um, a coaching staff that were, you know, he had really good guys around him, Leon McDonald. Yeah. And, um, and I suppose for, for those reasons, like a, a rugby legend like Tony Johnson saying <laughs> that the, the Blues were going to be the one, I suppose you have to say that they, they did flop in the end. To just be mid-table wasn't, wasn't quite good enough, not quite up to scratch. And, you know, the wait continues. I, I haven't seen the the Blues win a Super Rugby competition since 2003 and um, yeah, it's almost 20 years since, since they've done that. Yeah, I think that, that, that's the, the galling thing is that I think that they would have been in a, in a position to be able to live up to that expectation. I mean, you can't fault, the forward pack has been good. Um, the structures have all been there. Um, I just think, as I say, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of Finlay Christie at, at halfback. Um, a couple of things didn't work out. Um, but that, that three playmaker thing that that didn't quite work out. They haven't been able to bring um, some, you know, the Rico Ioane, the Caleb Clark into the action enough. Um, I don't know whether that's uh, a failing. I don't think it's a failing so much of the coaching staff as I say. It's just um, th those mistakes and and uh, you know I, I, I go back to the, the red card. You know, mm. I mean, that was a. Mm. I mean, some people have defended that. I just thought it was a pretty senseless thing to do in the heat of the moment. And and those th those are the killer moments. Those are the difference between the team, um, you know, potentially challenging for the title and not being in the hunt. Mm. So what happens next season? Bowden Barrett returns. Returns. Yeah. Roger Tuivasa-Sheck's playing at fullback. Yeah. And suddenly, not not only have you got two brilliant players, but you've got the leadership with Tuivasa-Sheck. Mm. I hope they do play him at fullback. Um, because I think his ability to read the play from mm. the backfield, uh, you know, is just quite outstanding. Barrett, hopefully, with all the things he's picked up from Eddie Jones um, at Suntory, comes back and maybe he's learned something as well. But you know, then you bring two vastly experienced, proven talents in amongst a whole lot of guys who are still very young. I think that definitely changes the whole um, look of of, the, of their backline. 
So maybe next year will be the year. So Blues fans can, can start getting excited again. Yeah. Oh, no, I can't do it to myself. You know, like I, I thought for Warriors fans it was going to be their year and uh, then injuries hit and it's really tough. So, oh, no, look, I'll, I'll give them another shot next year on the back of what you've just told me. Follow Roger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Before we get into, you know, final um, wrapping up this conversation, I should say, what would have to happen moving forward with the Blues in this place where they're at right now? You're saying it's, you know, it's not over yet. What happens from, what needs to change from the Blues? Well, as I say, again, it just comes back to leadership. You've, you've got a lot of strong, silent types in that team. Uh, maybe it's a reflection of what goes on in the schools in Auckland where, you know, the premium is on athleticism, strength, power and all those sorts of things. Maybe, you know, the system is not producing enough leader type players, tactical um, players. I mean, the, you know, you're talking about extremely talented players, powerful players, very good players. But, you know, they've tried importing uh, leadership. I, I, I do really think that's the, that's the key to it. On-field decision making and hopefully two of us, Ashek and Barrett, mm. bring that. Because to me, it's the missing ingredient right now. It's just the smarts. Mm. Yeah, and yeah. They, they lost uh, a lot. I know that um, my old mate James Parsons might cop it every now and then for not being the most explosive of hookers, but you can't oh, yeah. underestimate yeah. The, the nous and the experience and the leadership that he yeah, brought to that yeah. Blues team. And yeah. without the 100 games of experience... Yeah. They, they were somewhat lacking in that. And you've got to look at the fact that there are still a lot of young players in that team. Now, you could say that about most of the New Zealand mm. teams. Um, and, and it's something that they, you know, they're going to have to instil in them. Um, mm. But, you know, so they're bringing a, a couple of you know, pretty accomplished players into the mix next year. Yeah. OK. I think I agree with you when, in saying that the word flop is quite harsh. Um, I don't think you can call it a flop, but I do think it was... You know, the Auckland Blues, the results have been quite disappointing. And as you say, that discipline has been been lacking this year. <sighs> I don't want to add to the... I mean, when you look in the media right now, they are under the pump. There mm. are heads on the chopping block right now. So to use the word flop, I will stay away from that word. But I do think that the expectation was here. And I think by fans and by a lot of professional pundits as well but it didn't quite hit the mark, so I'd have to side with Goran on this one. It's close, though. It's close. Oh, no. Look, I, you know, he's coming at it from an, a, an emotive mm. point of view. I've got to come at it from a more dispassionate point of yeah, view, yeah. as I say. I just, you know, when people throw words like failure and flop yeah. around, it, it doesn't perhaps reflect that the, the effort's been there. Definitely. Definitely. I oh, they're not turning up yeah. and intending yeah. to lose. I mean, yeah. I, I don't... I'm not saying that. Because you want to see those small margins. It's just the, the level of expectation was, was high and mm. they didn't quite meet it. Yeah. Pure and simple. So. I'm sorry that I raised your, ex raised your hopes, Goran. <laughs> yeah, you did, mate. It was, it was that day on the verdict. I was like, look, if Tony Johnson says the Blues are a chance, oh, then the Blues are a chance. <laughs> well, they, well they should be. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's the bottom line. They should be. They should still be in the hunt now and yeah. it's their own fault that they're not. Yeah. yeah. OK, guys, let's get into case number two today. Now, there's been a link between this, what's been happening with the European Super League and New Zealand rugby at the moment, and that is Silver Lake Investments looking for a potential 15% stake in our great game. Um, there's been a lot of excitement, worry, doubt, mixed emotions about what this may mean for the future of our game. And, Tony, this is obviously something you're very passionate about. Well, I think that the, the doubt, the worry the concern have all been heightened by what's happened with the mooted breakaway Super League 
mm. in European football, people are suddenly thinking, gosh, do they have the power to do this sort of thing? And look, just, just briefly, uh, my understanding of how these things work is that the private equity company comes in, they've got all this money that people have invested in their retirement fund, superannuation, that sort of thing. The idea is that they make an investment somewhere where they think they can make a big profit in a medium to long term. So they put $450 million in, which is peanuts compared to what's been invested in some of the football clubs in Europe. They put $450 million in now. In 10 years' time, they expect to take you know, anywhere between $700-900 million out when they sell that share. So th it's in their best interest to grow the, the product, grow the game in, in the intervening time. That, of course, is this injection of cash is, has got our provincial unions not only rubbing their hands together but the relief because in, in some areas the game's on life support. Mm. Uh, it's just costing more and more to, to run rugby in this country. Uh, and so they see this massive injection of cash as, a, as you know, solving all their issues. Uh, the, the problem is, is that in 10 years' time um, they, they want to make a profit. So how do they do that? Well, obviously in these COVID-affected times, uh, what the um, the private equity companies saw, you know, no crowds at the at the games in, in, in Europe. So they think, how do we increase uh, the value of this investment? I know, let's come up with a whole new competition, whole new set of TV rights, whole lot of new money. Um, and I think that's what's got everyone worried here. What happens? Do the All Blacks become, um, do they go on exhibition tours, that sort of thing? Do they play meaningless tests just to increase the revenue stream, um, you, you know, do they come up with a whole new competition to get a new TV deal, that sort of thing. That's mm. what's got everyone worried. I think the Players Association have been sounding a few warnings about it. Uh, I think initially it was seen as a power play by the player U Players Union, but or the Players Association, but I think they've got genuine concerns. M my feeling is that um, I think they have to be very careful about what they sign themselves up for here. Uh, the, the commitment that they make, there has to be a complete understanding of what's expected yeah. out of this deal and um, maybe perhaps a bit less of a percentage of the shareholding for a little bit less money, a little bit, a little bit more caution um, might be the answer. I suppose the European Super League failure or flop, uh, to <laughs> yeah, go back to that word, it's come at like the appropriate time for New Zealand rugby because that's an example of what might happen and they need to protect themselves against it. Mm. The question I want to ask you, Tony, is, is the alternative better or worse, like not having this investment in the game? Because as you say, the game is getting more and more expensive to run, and we want to shine a light on every possible aspect, you know, Super Rugby, NPC, Pacifica, the women's game. We're seeing uh, the, the very first women's Super Rugby game this weekend at Eden Park. So everybody wants to be lifted up, but it all costs money. So is the alternative better or worse? Yeah. My thinking has been that they've got no choice. I think they have to enter into some sort of arrangement because at the moment, uh, you know, the writing is on the wall. They, they can't keep going under the existing um, structure because it's just, it's just not generating enough money to cover the increasing costs, particularly with you know, new lots of players that need to be recompensed for playing the game. So, as I say, I, I, don't, I don't think they've got a choice. I just think they have to be really cautious about the amount of power that they give and, and, and maybe if that means having to trim back the amount of money, maybe that is, is the answer. Um, because the alternative is that um, large parts of the game will have to go back to being amateur only.
Mm. And, and I just, I'm not sure that we're, um, we're ready to contemplate that. We don't want to take that backward step. I'm not sure that we can, um, because uh, because the player markets overseas, even considering COVID, um, the, you know, players are going to find out they're not going to get paid any money to play provincial rugby. They're just going to go off overseas somewhere where they can be play, yeah. paid. Yeah, the workload is is really interesting that you mentioned. You know, more exhibition games, All Blacks on tour, a little bit more perhaps. When you consider the amount of time they take off pre-season for Super Rugby, the sabbaticals that they mm. need to take, which says to me that the workload is already quite high. Yeah, well, one thing I would hope that if this deal does go ahead, that's the end of sabbaticals because I'm over mm. them. <laughs> I just, you know, yeah. to me, yes, for a while they served a purpose if it kept Dan Carter and Richie McCaw around for the 2015 World Cup, that sort of thing, uh, but not now, um, particularly when you see a player who's supposedly on a sabbatical um, mapping his future beyond that, which may not even include rugby. Mm. Um, mm. So, you know, that would, that would be one upside of it, really. Um, but I think the worry that people have, and I know Martin Devlin was talking about this on his radio show, that, you know, the last thing, say, someone like him, who's like yourself, very passionate about it, he doesn't want to see the all-black C team playing the United States in Chicago for the sake of putting on a game mm. um, for... Uh, the, the, you know, the purpose of um, honouring this agreement that they have. I think that's the thing that's got, uh, that's got people worried. The upside of it is that we might come up with some exciting new competition, um, you know, a, a, a global uh, provincial competition or some, it might be the driver for something like that, which people are always looking for. It's not all necessarily downside. This could yeah. be, mm. if it's managed right, could be the best thing that's happened to the game mm. since it went professional. I just think that everyone's very nervous about it, having seen what's just taken place with European football. Mm. That's it. I mean, the, the big worry is what you said right at the start, when they want return on investment. Mm. And then what will that do to New Zealand rugby when they need to pay them back and there's no money in the coffers? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what, you know, you can't guarantee, I'm sure in these agreements, you can't say we guarantee that you will... Um, double your money in that 10 years time otherwise we'll you know we'll sell off all our buildings to make sure you get your money I, I don't I don't think it works quite like that um, but they just go in with a reasonable expe expectation because as I say it, it, you're talking about people's retirement funds mm. yeah. they invest this money they say we'll take your money we'll put it somewhere we can make a big profit and sport has become just there's been an explosion of it in sport over the last 10 years you see yeah. it um, but, you know, in um, English football, you know, Manchester cities, that sort of thing. What it's done for their success, what it's done for their player strength, it's phenomenal what mm. they've achieved with that money. Yeah. The downside of it is you start losing some uh, say in your own destiny. And mm. I think that's what has got everyone worried. Yeah, and fair enough. Yeah, mm. fair mm. enough. Well, watch the space. That AGM will be um, around the corner, so we will yeah. definitely be... Uh, oh, the provincial unions help. are going to back it. The yeah, provincial yeah, unions are going to back it, yeah. but I say they've still got to get it past the Players Association. Mm. I've kind of changed my thoughts on that. Initially, I thought flexing their muscles, I think they have genuine concerns mm. that will need to be factored in. Yeah, mm. and that need to be factored in, right? Like you said, it's not all bad, but you do need to... It's just being responsible, yeah. going in with caution. Yeah. Okay. Well, gentlemen, we're going to take this on a kind of a different route now to rugby league in the NRL. There's a lot of chat around uh, possible conference system within the NRL, which the plan of sees a possible second New Zealand team mm. um, and another, you know, um, building team in Brisbane, which has been in the talks for a little while anyway. Goran, 
Mr Rugby League extraordinaire. What are your thoughts on, <laughs> on a... Well, I, I, huge I, fan, huge fan. Yeah, big fan. <laughs> big um, fan. What are your thoughts on Great it? mate of Adam Blair. Now, um, <laughs> look... Uh, can I like and dislike this all at the same time? Because um, it, it's got pros and cons. Um, I, I like the idea that you, you, you've got certainty around the structure of the draw because if, if you ask any rugby league fan right now how the, the league is structured in terms of who you play week in, week out, they, they won't have any idea how they come up yeah. with it. Yeah. You know, like, for There's example, the, the Warriors, they, they play, I think, the Rabbitohs once, the Eels once this year, but they've got two games against the Seagulls and the Cowboys. Mm. How'd they come up with that? Apparently it's like some firm out of Canada that's got some sort of software, they put it into the machine and spits it out. With the conference system, they're saying that uh, you, you would have a Sydney conference of nine teams, an outside of Sydney conference of nine teams, and so you'd play everybody inside your conference twice, everybody outside your conference once. So you've got certainty around the draw. You've got, uh, you know, I, I like that. Um, and uh, that, that's one of the things I like. What I dislike about it is that all of a sudden you need to find around 60 more players, yeah. top-level players, to fill a, a second Brisbane team and a second New Zealand team. Uh, at the moment in the NRL, what we're seeing is uh, because of the pace of the game, a lot of injuries, a lot of uh, head injury assessments and players not being able to back up the following week or the week after that. And so you're going to extend that out across another couple of teams. Uh, so therefore the competition, I suppose the quality will diminish a little bit. Um, when we're already seeing teams like uh, the Tigers, the Broncos, the Bulldogs... Uh, there's probably about four or five teams in a 16-team competition that are already struggling. Uh, so I don't like that aspect of it. And in the past, we have seen the NRL or the ARL expand into areas like Western Australia, the South Queensland Crushers. Adelaide Rams. Adelaide Rams. <laughs> yeah, oh, who can God forget the Adelaide Rams? Rams. Yeah. The Hunter Mariners in the yeah. Super League days. And it just hasn't worked. And yeah. we're, we're, you know, we're, we're talking... At the same time, we're talking about expansion. We're also talking about teams like the Seagulls, I think the Tigers, um, who aren't able to look after themselves financially. Mm. So like, it's a really, it's, a, it's an interesting time, but it's also a really dangerous time. I think the, the game needs to look after what it's got at the moment before it starts thinking about expanding and, and doing this conference system. Yeah. To me, the beauty of the English Premier League is that everyone plays each other twice, once home, once away. It's very simple. It's what everyone wanted in Super Rugby. Mm. One game yeah. home, one game away, maybe. Um, you, you know, I, I, to me, and I, I'm a, a couch fan, I, I always follow the Warriors, um, I watch a, a bit of it. To me, the game that I always look forward to is the game against the Broncos. Why? Because I was there the night they, they kicked the whole thing off and I always sort of think they're the measuring stick. I know they're not yeah. going all that great this year. I don't like the idea of the, Warri uh, of the Broncos not coming to Auckland um, every year. Mm. Mm. Um, that, and, and, and also, um, the, the, the conference system, that speaks a little bit like what uh, rugby's just been through in Super Rugby. People didn't necessarily like it that you play some teams twice, some teams once. To me, it's an unnecessarily uh, complication. I think mm. you know mm. the straightforward round robin home and away is is still the format that people like the most. I do like the idea of another New Zealand team. Yeah. I know that there's been um, you know good forces, good people at work 
trying to get a Wellington team over the years. Um, it would also take a little bit of heat. It would provide a great opportunity for a lot of young players, but it would also take a bit of heat off the Warriors carrying the nation's expectations every year. So I like that part of it, but the rest of it, to me, it just sounds a bit unnecessarily complicated. I think they go back to a, you know, a, a straight competition where everyone plays everyone else twice. Um, what's to complain about that? Yeah. yeah. If they did that, and uh, you're looking at a 30-week regular season, though, yeah. so this would be a 25-week regular season. Just, um, I mean, the, the teams are already playing 24 games yeah. with one bye. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's not that much of a departure from what they're currently experiencing. Um, I mean, the, the, the conference that the Warriors and another New Zealand team would be in, they've got the Brisbane Broncos, they've got all those Queensland teams, they've got the Melbourne Storm as well. Yeah. So we wouldn't be bereft of opportunities against that Foundation Day team, the Broncos. We wouldn't um, miss a, a Melbourne Storm uh, fixture on Anzac Day. You know, they'd, they'd miss those Warriors fans in Sydney, though, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, they the would. Look at the number of them. Every time the Warriors play there, the number of New, um, New Zealanders, you know, Warriors fans that turn up in the crowd, oh, yeah... I mean, look, maybe it, it rationalises things a bit and, and maybe it does reduce the player workload in, in, in the end. Um, but the, the last thing that you can afford to do, and, and this was the mistake that Super Rugby did, is that you, you start confusing the fans about what's going on. Mm. Um, and and I, I think that's what they've got to be really wary about. Uh, and, and, and again, as you say, expansion... You know, there are too many examples of it not having worked. In the, in mm. the, you know, the Warriors have done really well. Melbourne Storm, yeah. they've yeah, done Melbourne, okay. Yeah, the mm. Melbourne Storm. And I mean, even the Brisbane Broncos were an expansion yep. team, if you like, mm. going going way back. Yep. But there's, there's been plenty of them, you know, fall by the wayside as well. So they just have to be careful about that. The Don't other spread the butter out over too many pieces <laughs> of toast. That's right. That's right. The other thing that they need to be careful of is um, like how they how they structure those interconference games because you're handing a huge advantage to the Sydney teams because mm. you can drop a handkerchief over them all. So in terms of travel, they 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 are not doing any travel. Yeah. I mean, in the case of. You know, the Tigers and the Eels, they, they often play at the same stadium, Bankwest Stadium. You know, uh, yeah, we were almost we we're almost back to the days of Ken Arthurson and Co. Where the whole thing has to revolve around the Sydney yeah, clubs. Yeah, you know, yeah that's right. With everyone else. So, like, if, if you think about it, the, the Sydney teams don't travel when they play against each other. You know, like, the, the longest trip would probably be an hour. Wow. Oh, how arduous. But when they do the interconference matches when you think about it the two warrior uh, the two new zealand teams would have to travel into queensland into melbourne um i would i would suggest that the nrl would do um right by those outside sydney conference teams to say that the sydney teams had to travel for those games yeah. and the, the other thing too is that this is just people throwing a few balls up yeah. in the air they're just putting it out there for yeah. debate which is probably you know yeah. this sort of thing is, is what they want they want people discussing it mm. um and you know, from those discussions might come something a little bit more equitable, yeah. Yeah. Um, a different way of dividing the two pools up so that there is a bit more trans-Tasman or moving around for the Sydney teams uh, yeah. to make it... it, it yeah, um, it, it's, at this stage, it's in the embryonic stages, isn't it? It's, it's mm. something for discussion. Mm. It'll get the discussion going. Um, but, you know, what we're seeing at the moment may not be what it ultimately evolves. If they're smart, they'll listen yeah. to everyone involved in the game, including the fans. Yeah. And, and, and to me, so getting back to what we are talking about before, that's the mm. great beauty about what has happened in Europe over the last couple of weeks. That's right. The fans spoke 
and and they've their powerful voice held sway at the end. I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, mm. it's, oh. it's, that's going to go down in history. That. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Rav, you're you're a fan of the game. Is this something that interests you? Do you think that New Zealand could sustain a second team as well? I think we could. But at the same time, though, I, I had a conversation with you about this earlier. Is that the Warriors do tend to pluck players from other teams, so and don't look in their own ranks mm. in their own uh, depth. Um, to fill these big positions. Um, Roger Tuivasa-Shek is a prime example. Um, we do tend to look over the ditch for a lot of players or replacements. Mm. So how strong are we at the moment to um, warrant a second team full of all Kiwi players? Um, I, I think that uh, New Zealand Rugby League and the Warriors are doing a great job with their pathways at the moment, with these new competitions that they've brought in place, wanting to chuck a few more junior teams in the... Um, uh, New South Wales Cup competitions so that's a great start but are we in a position now where we could have two red hot teams mm. rearing to go? I'm it, not too sure. Not, and not just that Rav either because uh, you chuck in Moana Pacifica in, in Super yeah. Rugby, uh, even the Fiji um, Indrua coming into the mm. Super Rugby competition. I'll tell you what, those sidelines when uh, St Peter's Place in Kent, it's going to be pretty crowded there, aren't you? <laughs> All those scouts, I mean. Yeah. And, and this is, you know, <laughs> and, and look, and this is... Boards uh, everywhere. Take, take your point about, you know, the Warriors. Um, it's, you know, that's just a fact of life, is it? Mm. You know, you're not going to be able to sign everyone up. That The scouts are so active. Um, yeah. that they're going to see players and, and pick them up before some teams even know they're in existence. But th that's the other thing about expanding another New Zealand team at the same time as Super Rugby's looking to um, mm. bring in the Pacifica mm. element. Boy, that the competition for signatures is just yeah. going to go through it's the so roof true. for the young signatures. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Wow, what an opportunity, eh? Yeah. Oh, to be young again. Yeah, plenty of, <laughs> plenty of opportunities, but it you know, may have also the effect of driving the wage bill up as well. Mm. Yeah, that's right. It will get a lot, a bit expensive too. Uh, Maybe Silver Lake's got some money for the yeah. <laughs> Rugby League as we well. Need I don't to go know. Around. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Gentlemen, it has been a pleasure. Thank you both for battling it out, discussing it out today. Tony, it was a great pleasure to have you here. Yeah. Been a pleasure to be here with you guys. It's uh, always awesome to sit next to you, Tony. Yeah. Always awesome. <laughs> As for You're too kind. <laughs> Goran and I, of course, will be back next week putting everything in sports on trial. Matewa.